Bodhisattvas, uh, I love doing that to remind me who I am. I get disconnected sometimes from my capacity for deep listening. I get very disconnected from my capacity for compassion. And uh, by reminding myself just to try to get back in touch with those aspects of myself can set me up to respond a little bit more skillfully to life. So that's really, I, f- I feel it's real important uh, to constantly be having reminders. Uh, and this song, I feel, is also a really beautiful reminder that um, when it talks about in the heart of great beings, there's a stream. Let it flow, let it be the ground of your being, and you'll be loved, you are loved. And uh, we get caught in our little ego-centered self, as I said before, and we get disconnected from our awareness of our interbeing nature. And that causes a lot of suffering for ourselves and each other. We're so much bigger than we think that uh, we are made up of everything in the entire cosmos. And all of our ancestors are alive in every cell of our body. All of our spiritual ancestors are alive in every cell of our body. And uh, when we can live with the awareness of that, um, you know, we're made up of every single thing in the entire cosmos, the the, uh, land and the uh, sky, the clouds, the rain, 
the energy of the sun is what's allowing me to talk to you today. Uh, we're, we're intimate. <laughs> uh, we have an intimate relationship with everything in the entire cosmos. And when we can live with that awareness, we're much less likely to do harm because then it's totally obvious that we're just hurting ourselves. If we hurt other people, we're hurting ourselves. If we hurt the environment, we're hurting ourselves. Um, So these kind of reminders, and I love, uh, in the heart of great beings, there's this stream. Let it flow, let it be the ground of your being. That's who we are. Everybody that we've ever come in contact with who's shown us love, uh, whether it be a, uh, a parent, grandparent, aunt, uncle, teacher, uh, whoever, uh, they're alive in us. And we forget that. We keep feeling it's all about me. It's this little tiny ego-centered self. And I've got to, I've got to produce all this energy. And I've got to do this. And I've got to, I've got to perform. I've got to get better. I've got to be important. And we stress ourselves out completely. We wear ourselves out. So I thought that um, to begin today, I'd like to read a story to you. And this is a story that Ty tells all the time. So some of you might be familiar with it. But uh, it starts out once upon a time, like all good stories do. Um, Once upon a time, there was a beautiful river finding her way among the hills, forests, and meadows. She began by being a joyful stream of water, a spring always dancing and singing as she ran down from the top of the mountain. She was very young at the time, and as she came to the lowland, she slowed down. She was thinking about going to the ocean. As she grew up, she learned to look beautiful, winding gracefully among the hills and meadows. One day, she noticed the clouds within herself, Clouds of all sorts of colors and forms. She did nothing during these days but chase after clouds. She wanted to possess a cloud, to have one for herself. But clouds did nothing during, but the clouds float and travel in the sky, and they are always changing in their form. Sometimes they look like an overcoat, sometimes like a horse. Because of the nature of impermanence within the clouds, the river suffered very much. Her pleasure, her joy had become just chasing after clouds, one after another, but despair, anger, and hatred became her life. Then one day a strong wind came and blew away all the clouds in the sky. The sky became completely empty. Our river thought that life was not worth living, for there were no longer any clouds to chase after. She wanted to die. If there are no clouds, why should I be alive? But how can a river take her own life? That night, the river had the opportunity to go back to herself for the first time. She had been running for so long after something outside of herself that she had never seen herself. That night was the first opportunity for her to hear her own crying, the sounds of water crashing against the banks of the river. Because she was able to listen to her own voice, she discovered something quite important. She realized that what she had been looking for was already in herself. She found out that clouds are nothing but water. Clouds are born from water and will return to water. And she found out she herself was also nothing but water. The next morning when the sun was in the sky, she discovered something beautiful. She saw the blue sky for the first time. She had never noticed it before. She'd only been interested in the clouds. And she had missed seeing the sky, which is the home of all the clouds. 
Clouds are impermanent, but the sky is stable. She realized that the immense sky had been, with, with, had been within her heart since the very beginning. This great insight brought her peace and happiness. As she saw the vast, wonderful blue sky, she knew that her peace and stability would never be lost again. That afternoon the clouds returned, but this time she did not want to possess any of them. She could see the beauty of each cloud, and she was able to welcome all of them. When a cloud came by, she would greet him or her with loving kindness. When the cloud wanted to go away, she would wave to him or her happily and with loving kindness. She realized that all clouds are her. She didn't have to choose between the clouds and herself. Peace and harmony existed between her and the clouds. That evening, something wonderful happened. When she opened her heart completely to the evening sky, she received the image of the full moon, beautiful, round, like a jewel within herself. She had never imagined that she could receive such a beautiful image. There was a very beautiful poem in Chinese, quote, The fresh and beautiful moon is traveling in the utmost empty sky. When the mind rivers of living beings are free, that image of the beautiful moon will reflect in each of us. This was the mind river at that moment. She received the image of the beautiful moon within her heart, and water, clouds, and moon took each other's hands and practiced walking meditation slowly, slowly to the ocean. There is nothing to chase after. We can go back to ourselves, enjoy our breathing, our smiling, ourselves, and our beautiful environment. So, all of that running, all of that trying to escape from ourselves, all of that trying to uh, get somewhere, uh, do something, uh, we need to stop and come back to ourselves and to recognize our true nature. We get completely disconnected from who we really are. And we use our practice to do that. When somebody asks, what's the purpose of Buddhist meditation? Um, I gave you lots of good reasons why we practice. And what is the outcome of the practice? Is that uh, we expand our capacity for love and compassion. We... uh, transform and heal our unskillful mental formations and uh, it allows us to respond more skillfully to life so that we can experience freedom and joy. But the river, I think, is a beautiful example of, uh, it's a beautiful metaphor for uh, how we get disconnected. We focus our minds on uh, everything outside of ourselves and uh, Thich Nhat Hanh always tells us He said, everybody's looking for goodness, truth, and beauty, and we look for it in our teachers, in our spouses, in our friends, uh, and we will be consistently disappointed. The only true teacher is the one that helps us to see that in ourselves. So um, that's the great surprise in practice, that we have had years, lifetimes of conditioning. Uh, We've been conditioned since before birth, uh, and we've learned ways of reacting in life, and developed really strong habit energy. At least I'm only speaking from my own experience, but really strong habit energy. And uh, we really believe we know who we are. 
We have labeled ourselves, made up stories about ourselves, been told stories about ourselves, and we believe them. And uh, it's completely incorrect. The Buddha said, where there's perception, there's deception. And especially when it comes to ourselves. Uh, we have a very limited view. At least I can speak for myself. I have a very limited view. And uh, every time we can touch uh, the reality of our true nature, we realize how huge we are. That we are totally connected with everybody and everything in the universe. That everybody's happiness is our happiness. Uh, you know, the Dalai Lama said that if we can learn to experience sympathetic joy, other people's joy as our own, we increase our chances by six billion. And now it's seven billion. It just upped, we just upped a billion in our capacity for happiness. Um, so uh, we're living in fairly challenging times. And uh, the main challenge for most people, I think, is the uncertainty of everything. That there seems to be no solid ground to stand on that wherever we go for refuge, the rug gets pulled out from under us, and we keep grasping for some solid footing, to get on solid footing somewhere. What can I rely on? Where do I go for refuge? And um, as long as we remain in this state of disconnection, we will be suffering. There is no, no way around it. Uh, our place of refuge is to be able to come back to our true nature, which is one with everything. Um, when we do that, we're free. When we can understand, uh, uh, just as the little river did, um, that everything's a part of the river, that uh, there's no, no beginning to the river and there'll be no end to the river. And when the river flows into the ocean, the river will become a cloud, the, river, the cloud will become rain, the rain will become a river. Uh, and so it goes. So... Um, that is one of the places where we need to begin. Because the world is in um, uh, pretty dire straits, um, I think it's real easy for us to feel overwhelmed, to feel that feel despair, uh, to feel that uh, everything is so much bigger than we are and uh, there's nothing we can do about any of it. And uh, that can be very, very disempowering. Uh, when we can look, cut through the surface of things and understand that as long as I'm the person who can choose where to place my mind, I can choose uh, whether I'm going to be nourishing my mind with uh, wholesome, wonderful things, enjoying all the wonders of life, or whether I'm going to be having a constant uh, uh, monologue going on inside my mind of how horrible, terrible, awful this all is, and there's no hope, and I just can't believe it, and we're all going to hell in a handbasket, and there's nothing that any of us can do about it, and it's just horrible and awful, and ah, right? As long as we have that tape going, we are disempowering ourselves. Okay, as long as we're looking to have outside conditions change in order for me to be happy, I'm powerless. I need to be able to be happy no matter what is going on in the world. I need to be able to nourish myself and uh, go back to myself for my happiness. Um, that's another reason why when we practice, we try to be mindful of our minds. The sitting meditation is are the calisthenics for the other 23 hours of the day. 
that we want to go through the other 23 hours of the day using that same kind of concentration and mindfulness so that during the day when we find our mind wandering off into these useless places of uh, uh, despair, complaining, kvetching, whatever we're doing, um, we can notice that mindfulness allows us to notice that. And the sooner we notice it, the sooner we can come back to looking at what is wonderful in this moment. How can I energize rather than de-energize myself? If I am constantly taking, sapping my own energy, I don't have the energy to deal with what needs to get done. I will be of no help. When I'm energizing myself by reminding myself that I'm only one drop in this huge river of life, and that uh, my job is very little, actually. A little tiny job. But I need to do it well. I need to take care of my consciousness. I need to keep my consciousness in the highest and best place I can. Because we're going through life transmitting and receiving energy every single second of our lives. The quality of the transmission is determined by the quality of my consciousness. And if I'm not taking good care of it, the transmission will be all yucked up. It's going to get in the way of any kind of clarity. It'll get in the way of love. Okay? When I talk about developing fearlessness, why is that important? What is it that keeps me in that place of uh, lack of awareness of my connection to everything? The thing that keeps me there is fear. Okay? What allows me to connect and to be open to everybody and everything is having a fearless, open heart. That when I can be in love with everybody and everything, I'm completely happy and I'm completely free. But what gets in the way is that I've been powerfully conditioned from my ancestors on down. Um, I might have uh, experienced many hurts in this lifetime. And because of those hurts, I've developed a, a hard heart. I've hardened my heart. I have uh, developed protections and defenses, making sure I never get hurt again. Uh, that I want to, uh, uh, I think that that's taking good care of myself. That's the misperception. The way I take good care of myself is not trying to control everybody and everything in my life to make sure nothing bad happens. The way I take good care of myself is to strengthen myself so that no matter what is happening, I'm fine. Can you see the difference? It's the difference between being empowered and disempowered. 